0: Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. We continue our series of postseason Major League Baseball podcasts here at BaseballAmerica.com. Downloadable at iTunes and wherever your podcasts are sold. Uh, Matt, just a riveting American League Championship Series. We had a a little delay there after the National League Yawn Series uh, (laughs) with the Phillies winning that. Correctly predicted by yours truly. But the American League Championship Series, riveting seven games, correctly predicted by you, So we have a Tampa Bay Rays, Philadelphia Phillies, World Series. Anybody who picked that one, I think other than Kreskin, probably no one picked that one. Uh (laughs) I don't think anybody had that one. Uh, And uh, we'll start off with just an interesting point, I think, to note. A little trivia. So with Tampa Bay making it to the World Series, winning the American League pennant, Matt, that leaves three franchises out of your 30 that have never uh, gone to the World Series. Texas, the Rangers. Seattle Mariners. the so two of them in the American League West, yep. which frankly makes you really want. If you're in a fantasy football league and you're looking at your divisions in the, in the preseason, you're like, I want to be in that division. <laughs> I want to be in there with those owners. You look at the, you want to be in the American League West. You know, <laughs> that, you know obviously the Angels have only won one. The A's are a dynasty that uh, have been a dynasty three uh, twice in their history, but they've won three straight pennants. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Yankees are probably the only other team that's ever done that. I haven't actually looked that up, but uh, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds neat. But uh, the, so the A's have been up and down, though, their the entire history, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Oakland. And then you got these two franchises that have never been uh, to the World Series in Texas and Seattle. And then, of course, the National League, Les Expos <laughs> slash Les Nationales. Well, it, uh,
1: it's, it's – it- It's more condemning for the Nationals because they don't have to contend with the the Yankees and the Red Sox on an annual basis. I
0: think you're right. Like the American League teams do. I think it is more damning for them. And, uh, of course, you have your asterisk, in a a way, with uh, Montreal, with 1994, the best record in the major leagues. Yeah. You know, kind of what might have been. But uh, that's 14 years ago, and only the the Jonah Careys of the world and the few uh, Michael Levesque and the few uh, uh, Expos fans out there really – and I'm sure Ken Hill somewhere is thinking what might have been. But – but this was an amazing American League championship series, Matt. I think uh, two things stand out to me in this championship series. I mean, the national media, and rightly so, I think very uh, praiseworthy and focused on the Red Sox and their ability to come back, not just from 3-1 down to force a game seven, but from 3-1 down and down 7 nothing in game five. That was an amazing game. Uh, I think credit goes to Boston for coming back and some blame. Certainly uh, spoonfuls of blame can be ladled out all over the Rays uh, for that one, uh, for blowing that 7 nothing lead. But then kudos, I think, to the Rays for coming back to win a, a very tough Game 7, a very tense Game 7. And I think, to me, what stands out the most is that talent won out. John Lester was good. Matt Garza was better. Boston's bullpen in this series was pretty good. Last night, David Price was better. Tampa went with talent. A 2005 first-round pick in Matt Garza, 2007 first overall pick in David Price. Obviously, Garza was uh, the Twins' first-round pick in '05, and, and Price was the number one overall pick last year for Tampa. But uh, pretty crazy to see those guys, really truly Baseball America-type guys, uh, especially Price, less so Garza because we weren't, frankly, as on Garza as an amateur mm-hmm. as we should have been. But uh, just amazing to see those guys really talent one out over experience.
1: Yeah, especially in terms of the power arms. I mean, Matt a yeah. like hitting 97 consistently. Casimir got a little bit of his below back in game yeah, five. Did. Did. Another former first-round pick. Great, point. Not, not great a, point. not a former, I should say. A first-round pick. Yeah. Once um, well, a first-rounder,
0: always a first-rounder. I think player. Shields
1: was was, was uh, touching 94 a few times.
0: Now, Shields threw well in his second star, but he, he, he yeah, as good as he was during the regular season, and he was their ace, he clearly is not at his best. James Shields' best is not as good. Uh, Scott Casimir's best, Matt Garza's best, and I believe what David Price is best will be. And uh, It just was amazing to me to see David Price on the mound with all the money on the table last night. 3-1, eighth inning, bases loaded, J.D. drew at the plate, and like the fifth pitcher of the inning is David <laughs> Price. I mean, I just thought that was crazy, and I did not think it was terrible. I thought it was kind of awesome. And, uh, you know, I grew up a Red Sox fan. I had my Red Sox jersey on last night. You know, my, my Sox fandom uh, – ebbs and flows since 2004 it's kind of you know uh, but I think there was a little talisman Matt of the Red Sox were not going to win a World Series this year and now my wife was not pregnant and did not give birth to a child in October hmm. uh, my son born in October 04 daughter born October 07 uh, good months for the Red Sox uh, no child for me this year in no 08, so uh, I wonder if the Red Sox are in for a drought of historic proportions now, uh, now that uh, hopefully uh, my family uh, is not going to expand. But, uh, <laughs> on a serious note, I really do think that the, the key was, like you said, those power arms, and that's come up again and again uh, in post-seasons over the years. And Tampa uh, got them. And I do think uh, we talked about this off-air, quote-unquote. Now let's talk about it on-air. I think uh, Joe Madden learned from the mistake of Game 5 in game seven and five pitchers employed in the eighth inning. (laughs) And with everything on the table, he went matchup. And I just think the most telling part of that is that David Price was the guy that he left for the end, Mm -hmm. not a J.P. Howell, who I would have expected it would be J.P. Howell. But he went for talent over experience. I I think that was telling. I think that, to me, is what makes the Rays the Rays. Joe Madden deserves all the credit. They've drafted high. They have extreme talent. And they let the, they got out of the way of their talent in some ways, and they put their talent in position to succeed last night i th- I thought that was the the key to the series, and ultimately, I think they were more talented than boston
1: they did yeah uh Madden did learn from that experience it made for a boring inning perhaps because it was more than forty five Minutes in length. A
0: tense inning, certainly. But... Not the, not the kind of pace that you'd like, certainly. You're right.
1: But he, he learned from uh, maybe a little overexposing ball for a little bit in Game 5. Game, um,
0: game 5 was kind of remarkable. and You talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, again, off air, so I'll let you expound on it now. Uh, what do you think he did wrong in Game 5, besides helping blow a 7 nothing <laughs> lead? But what did he do in Game 5 that he did wrong that he learned from, you think, in Game
1: 7? Well, the, the three big things... It, 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 I, don't think he self, I don't think he assessed Balfour very well because he gave up hits to three of the first five batters he faced. I think he retired the eight and nine hitter. Right. And then he's throwing just low mid 90s fastballs. And a hitter like David Ortiz is geared to hit low 90s fastballs a lot of out of the park. No, you're right. So Ortiz gets that pitch the second time and he crushes it. And I think if you bring in a lefty, of which he's carrying three, yeah. Ortiz at most hits a single, let's say. He's probably not going to be able to to pull a left-hander's quality breaking ball the park. A lot of the less park. likely
0: that he's going to hit a home run. So
1: it's still 7 to 2 at that point. Right. And then you bring in Chad Bradford to face Eucalys and Bay, who I think were back-to-back because Casmir started. Absolutely. So, and
0: Eucalys has struggled basically his entire every time he's faced So you're set Chad up. I mean, it takes
1: three pitches to get through it under that scenario, but yeah, no, I think I, you're in better shape.
0: I think uh, to me that was a systematic failure of the of the Rays in that game. It it's hard to blow a seven nothing lead, I think. Taking out Casmir with that pitch count mm-hmm. is stupid. I mean just frankly stupid. Uh watch again, like you said, correctly assess your talent. Your guy's throwing the hell out of the ball. I, I could use stronger language. But Scott Casmir was a no threat of being hit hard, and I thought he was at the full command of his stuff. He was
1: facing the bottom of the order, two in the seventh inning. Facing the bottom inning. of
0: the order in the seventh inning. I just think reliance on pitch counts is ridiculous. Watch the quality of the stuff in the command. That will tell you when the pitcher needs to come out, period. I am so not a believer in pitch counts. And I'm not like a I'm not like. I – I don't believe they have no value. I just don't believe they should dictate everything. And in that case, uh, especially with your season on the line – I think you let Scott Casimir keep on pitching until he shows you he's not good anymore and uh they didn't put Grant Balfour in a position to succeed by letting him face Ortiz. Uh that was and and again, why do you have three left handed uh pitchers in your bullpen if you're not going to use particularly the Trevor blessing. Miller Trevor Miller yeah, has right. to be
1: leveraged against left-handed sluggers with men on base I, that's the only reason you're carrying
0: otherwise him. he shouldn't exactly he shouldn't ex- be on the roster c- extremely correct uh, couldn't agree with you more it's the Baseball America podcast he's Matt Eddie uh, that I'm agreeing with I'm John Manuel I'm agreeing with him um, and honestly we didn't agree pre uh, pre-show but he's kind of uh, convinced me well, we <laughs> I do think uh, the more I think about more blame I put on that for Joe Madden I give credit well, to the Red Sox for coming back though and yeah And then Josh Beckett for kind of a gutsy performance in game six when he clearly is not at his best. I think ultimately when we talk about the Red Sox, and we didn't talk about that uh, before the show, ultimately Boston just was not at its best in this series, and what they had was not good enough. They didn't have Mike Lowell. I think the combination of not having Manny Ramirez in their lineup after the trade, Jason Bay is good, but he's not as good as Manny Ramirez. Not as a hitter. So you, you take that little step down. Then you take Lowell's bat out of the lineup replace it with Kotze. Clearly not as good. Uh, or hurt your defense. Not that much because katse was very good, surprisingly good at first base. Mm-hmm. And Euclid very good at third base. But ultimately, our lineup was not as strong. Big Poppy not as good. Uh, David Ortiz just not at his best, whether that's physical or whether it was earlier physical, and then he overcompensated for the wrist, and that led to mechanical issues in his swing. That's what I really think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Boston, and then they're starting pitching without Beckett being dominant, not at its best. I thought Boston was would have been a worthy representative for the American League, and I, feel, I still think they would have been favored over Philadelphia. But I think Tampa clearly showed they were better, two games better in the regular season, both over the course of the overall schedule and the head-to-head and then better uh, over the 25 games they played, uh, 14 and uh, 11, I guess, against Boston. Uh, why do you think, I guess, Matt, if we're just going to try to boil it down over those 25 games, what made Tampa better than Boston in your mind?
1: But uh, focusing solely on October, um, uh, the three championship players who carried them last year were either absent or not nearly at full strength. Yeah. Beckett, Ortiz, and Ramirez. Great point. I mean, Beckett and, and Ortiz were at 75 percent. Max, you know. Yeah, you're right. And then not having Ramirez hurt them too. Um. As good as
0: Pedroia and Euclid are, right. they're both extremely good. They're they're great major league players. They're both legitimate MVP candidates uh, this year in the American League. I think Boston uh, ultimately did miss uh, the guys who were the difference makers for them, really. And they're both championships. The one common thing between those two championships. Ortiz and Manny in the middle of the lineup, yep. and ultimately at that strength. was missed. I had full strength, and ultimately they did not have that, and they did not succeed and, uh, in this year's playoffs. And
1: Beckett at full strength, obviously. And, and Beckett
0: the... at full strength it was the guy who started the three to one comeback last year. And uh, yeah. you know, John Lester, as good as he was all year, and he was very good, I thought, in Game Seven, at his best, not quite Josh Beckett's best. Uh, and that's uh, and wh- that's one of the reasons why Tampa Bay is moving on. The other reason I think just Tampa Bay is better. You know, uh, and you have to give. Uh, to me, I, I thought it was great to see B.J. Upton afterwards give a lot of credit to the trainer, to the training uh, staff and personnel with Tampa because he's had this shoulder injury all year uh, that I haven't really seen publicized, frankly, during the season. But, you know, one of the remarkable things about uh, B.J. Upton, he had a, a very good year this year, but he went from slugging about 5'10 in 2007 to 398 in this year's regular season. He slugged under 400, Matt, and we saw him for two years here in Durham, one very good year and one mediocre year. We saw the power in B.J. Upton here with our own eyes. We need to talk to scouts about how easy his power was, especially to all fields. It's a little more pull power right now, but God, the Red Sox tried to pitch him inside the whole yeah. series and failed miserably. But they finally
1: got around to in Game Six and Seven to throwing only outside. They
0: did. They they finally adjusted. Even Lester after game, in Games Twenty Four <laughs> and Twenty Five against the Rays, they finally adjusted. But uh, Longoria. Uh, Carl Crawford, whose athleticism really was most on display last night in the post game dog pile celebration. <laughs> he spread it in from left field and then got some serious air when he jumped onto That's the right. dog pile. But, uh, but that team. Uh, Second-round pick, 2000000 million-plus bonus in left field Crawford. First-round uh, pick, second overall in Upton. First-round pick, sixth overall when, when Baldelli's out there. Obviously, he's not the athlete. Gabe Gross, but, also a first-rounder. <laughs> yeah, I was going there. Even Willie Ibar, when he's a platoon or DH guy, he had a huge game in Game 7. That guy got $1.4 million from the Dodgers. Evan Longoria, third overall pick in, in 2006. You know, Bartlett is a 13th-round pick, uh, originally the Padres. Whew. Brian Buchanan, right? Nice trade. Stay hot, KT. (laughs) Hey, KT's had some great trades. That's not one of his better ones. Um, But, uh, you know, Carlos Pena was a first-round pick. And Diana Navarro was once the number one prospect of the Yankees organization. It was a big deal. Aki Wamura is basically a big league free agent, somewhat coveted. Then Garza, first-rounder. Casimir, first-rounder. James Shields and Jason Bartlett are really the guys who are kind of the surprise guys uh, on that team. Uh, Dan Wheeler, kind of a surprise guy, but J.P. Howe was the 31st overall pick in a draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason uh, they have. My point is, the Rays are an extremely talented team. It's not just the 97 wins. You can't just look at that. They have talent everywhere. And balance. and, and They have balance. They have right. They have left. It is an impressive roster. No one thought that they would go from 66 wins to 97 wins. That it's hard to predict in, in the history of baseball. That just doesn't happen, 31-win improvement like that. But when you look at it, it is logical that a team with that much talent would win this many games. Now, I guess the question, Matt, is uh, how, do they feel, how do they seal the deal? Let's match them up with the Phillies. Because uh, the Phillies are also a pretty talented team. Uh, First-rounders all over the place there, too. I mean, Ryan Howard wasn't a first-rounder, but he was on Team USA as a sophomore. He was expected to be a first-rounder. He just had a horrible junior season. Uh, Pat Burrell, first overall pick in the draft. Utley, uh, the best first-round pick uh, in the 2000 draft. You could argue him or Brandon Webb, best player out of the entire 2000 draft, basically. Uh, but Jason Worth, a supplemental first-round pick, and you know, Shane Victorino wasn't a high draft pick, but he was a Rule Five pick twice. I mean, this is a, <laughs> people no I mean, teams knew these guys uh, had talent on both clubs. Uh, how do you match them up? Let's just start off, I guess, uh, offensively. The Phillies certainly seem to have. Uh, the better offense than, than the uh, than the Rays have. Uh, how do you think that plays out, just matchup wise? Phillies pitching versus uh, Rays hitting, and Rays pitching versus Phillies hitting.
1: Uh, it, it should be pretty even. The the one disadvantage uh, the Philly might have is is in games in the American League Park regarding the DH. Yep. I mean, if they're facing a right hander, that's fine because they have Matt Stairs or Jeff Jenkins. Right. Or Greg Dobbs. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) But they're going up against Kazmir in Game 1, likely. And that means you're probably going to want a right-handed DH, in which case it's, what, Soto Gucci, it's Eric Bruntlett, it's Chris Coast. Yeah, those are your options. Pick your poison.
0: None of those options are as good as Matt Stairs (laughs) versus a righty, Greg Dobbs versus a righty, or Jeff Jenkins versus a righty. No, you're absolutely right. So in that uh, matchup, in that first game, uh, certainly going to be an advantage, I think, for Tampa. And, of course, the reason you have four games scheduled with a DH and three without is – uh, Brad Lidge, the only save he blew all year, only game he blew, he didn't blow a save. Only, did he blow a save in that game? Or did he, just blow, uh, did he just in the All Star game? You're yeah, talking in the about All
1: Star game. I don't know.
0: I don't remember how that worked out. But I mean, he was the one. That either blew the game, either got the loss, or he blew the save in the All Star game. So now the American League has a home field advantage. Obviously, Tampa would have earned it if he just went on best regular right. season record anyway. Which It should be. Which it should be. Um, <laughs> you know, this time it counts. All that stuff is kind of hoo ha. It's ridiculous, but. Uh, but, yeah, Tampa has home field, so that is going to be to their advantage. Yep. And I agree with you. I think it's a great point. Uh, conversely, you know, Tampa doesn't have a lot of left-handed bats. Mm-hmm. I think Cole Hamels and Jamie Moyer both match up fairly well from the Phillies' standpoint against Tampa. I think, again, that's the two huge keys for Tampa's offense, as they have been throughout this postseason. For me, are B.J. Upton and Evan Longoria. If B.J. Upton's going to keep on him for power. <laughs> I mean, nine homers regular season, seven, seven. in the postseason. Yep. I, I think Tampa's offense at least matches oh, yeah. uh, Philadelphia's offense. Uh, to me, uh, Philadelphia's a very streaky offensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at its best, uh, the Tampa pitching staff should have enough to you know, kind of keep Philadelphia in check. So I, I think that's at least a push. Um, I, I think I like uh, Tampa's starting pitching better than I like uh, Much deeper. Philadelphia's. And I think the offense is kind of a push for me. I think the DH factor is actually a uh, significant one, it might be two two of those games um in out of seven, uh, where Tampa's really at an advantage with Casmir's left handed you know, being left handed against uh against Philadelphia's uh lineup. But we'll see how, how Tampa sets this rotation. But I think that could be a factor.
1: But Matt Stairs is, is very familiar with, with uh playing D H. So Absolutely so in, three of the, in three of the four games it should be a- Actually, an advantage over most other National League teams.
0: Plus, how can you root against Matt Steers? Uh, he's Canadian, number one, so unless you're anti-Canadian. An anti-Canadian bigot, then you shouldn't root against him. But second of all, I mean, his quotes after that home run in the, in the series against the Dodgers were just awesome. I just hope they're trying to hit home runs. It's fun. I try to hit every ball of the park in BP. I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, I think only a Canadian would admit that. Uh, but the other part of, I guess, uh, the rust factors and the... It's being thrown around up there, Matt. Uh-huh. You think that's a factor for Philadelphia? Do you think that's going to affect them in this series?
1: I don't know. I mean, it can't be you know quantifiably quantifiably proven, but if the players believe in it, then that's the most important thing. I mean, psychology is a huge part of the game.
0: No, you're right. And, you know,
1: if the players believe it's a factor, then it's a factor.
0: And I think the players are probably going to think it's a factor if they watch the 2006 World Series. The last two at World all. Series. In that, you're right. In that case, ignorance really might be bliss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of players <laughs> talk about how they don't like to watch the game and. Uh, if you didn't watch the Rockies and you didn't watch the Tigers, it's probably good because both those teams had a lot of rest, a lot of days off. I guess the Rockies equaled the Phillies in terms of an eight-day layoff. Um, that was probably good for Philadelphia if they didn't pay attention. But guess what? Even if they didn't pay attention, that's all the media is going to ask them about yep. the next couple of days. So <laughs> if they haven't already been asking it, which I'm sure they have. I
1: don't know if you, if you saw SportsCenter this morning, but both John Kruk and Steve Phillips both predicted that the Phillies to win the World Series. Well, what do you? How do you feel about that? I mean, far be it from us to – Disagree with a fine ball player like John Crook.
0: <laughs> you know, I think Steve Phillips' reason was a logical reason. They do have a better bullpen. And their bullpen, I think, probably actually benefits from the rest a little bit. Throwing on the side, all that kind of stuff, I think helps. Um, I do think it's huge, that Philadelphia. And they, they, I, I think that that's that been Philadelphia's biggest strength all year. Yep. That's been his bullpen. Their offense has been streaky. Mm-hmm. They're starting pitching outside of Hamels has been a little up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the constant uh, through the season for them has been their bullpen. So uh, from that standpoint, I thought Steve Phillips' prediction made a lot of sense. John Kruk's prediction means absolutely nothing to me. I mean, he played for the but Phillies. But he played for the Phillies, he yeah. He coached in the Phillies system, which is – I love that. Uh, he, he coached for a couple months, and he packed it up and packed it in. Uh, you know, it was, thanks for finishing what you start, John. Uh, sorry they didn't have enough donuts on the freaking uh, wow. training table every day for John Kruk uh, to go through one season uh, as a minor league coach, but uh, which is just ridiculous for me. It's just lame. But, I mean, uh, I think I I picked the Phillies, uh, I believe, to win the National League. I think I picked them to lose to the Red Sox uh, in the World Series, starting all this stuff. I think I'm picking them to lose to the Rays in this series because I think the rust factor is a factor. I just think Tampa's a little bit more athletic, Uh a little bit better defensively. It's close. uh, But I I do think, frankly, it helps to play and keep playing. I think Tampa just winning the series the way they did against Boston – uh, it's just going to be such a huge confidence boost for that team, and frankly, uh, you, you see—I think you see it. Game one, I mean, if you're matching up best versus best, Hamels versus Casimir, that's pretty much a push. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, 2002 draftees. uh, 2002 draftees uh, in the first round, I think three picks apart or two picks apart. uh, Both in your 2003, that loaded, uh, that big feature we did on the Florida State League. You had Hamels, you had and you had Greg Miller. Oh, unlucky. and then... (laughs) then He's still left-handed, though. He is still (laughs) left-handed. He's still playing. He just uh, has half a shoulder left uh, from what he had back in 2003. Uh, Bill Bavese, I think, uh, probably had something to do with that. Maybe I'm wrong, but jumping an 18-year-old to double-A in his first full season, it uh, doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense, but that's what they did. Um, and then uh, the other factor there to me is just uh, I think Joe Madden has learned from, from his mistakes, and that team learned from their mistakes. Uh, I think B.J. Upton learned from not going all out during the regular season and getting benched twice by Joe Madden. I hmm. think, I think uh, Jason Bartlett and Evan Longoria probably would be better for having screwed up intense situations, which Jason Bartlett did again last night in Game 7, those guys have to be better, I think, defensively and more consistent because they've they've failed uh, and lived to tell about it, and you learn by failure. So I like, I like Tampa's mojo going into this. I like the city of Tampa's mojo as far as the Buccaneers have won a, World, a Super Bowl, the Lightning have won a Stanley Cup, t- Philadelphia 25 years with no championships in that city. Uh, <laughs> I, that's interesting for me as a side note. Uh, I think Tampa – is a slightly better team. I think Tampa will probably win this
1: in about six well, games. Well, you can't make me take the Phillies here. We gotta take. We gotta take different sides. I, I, I gotta take the Rays too. But and let's not forget. We don't that, have to take different sides. We could both pick the Rays. We're
0: taking. We're we're taking. We're we're counterbalancing John Cruck and Steve Phillips' uh, <laughs> picks here. Just think of it that well, way.
1: And, let, and let's not forget, not to be overlooked, um, the Rays beat a better team in the LCS. Great point. That 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 speaks volumes about their their ability.
0: I think when you're looking at you're like Casimir versus Hamels push. You're looking at Jamie Moyer's guts and guile and all that stuff versus James Shields. There's also a change-up pitcher, obviously a very different pitcher, but that's kind of a push. I'll even I, I mean, Jamie Moyer won 16 games this year and he's really, really good. Uh, he's had a great career, <laughs> an unbelievable career. Uh, but let's give Jamie Moyer some credit Just to be charitable. I'm going to say that's a push. Then you're talking about Joe Bland versus Matt Garza.
1: I mean, hello. And plus, the Rays have seen Joe Blanton before. They have. They're used to his, his short stride and short arm delivery. And his
0: cankles. I mean, uh, <laughs> his uh, sports writer like cankles. So I mean, I, I definitely. No, I like. Uh, I I think Tampa's starting pitching is better. I think they have more power arms. Uh, I think their bullpen is not as good as Philadelphia's. But boy, right now, even if Balfour's struggling a little bit, David Price is a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the I think the Joe Madden. I think the wraps are off. David Price. If you can get the last four outs of an LCS and you can strike out J.D. Drew with everything on the line, uh, guess what? I think the the ghost of uh, Van Buskirk, I believe, was the outfielder's name for Michigan who took David Price deep in the regional uh, at Vanderbilt. And that ghost is banished. Michigan got it done against David Price. The Red Sox could not. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I think that you have to give – I think the wraps are off. I think David Price is an extra weapon. He's not just a left-on-left guy. Uh, You have two guys in Howell and Price – uh, to go with a Dan Wheeler who I think can finish out games and you have the flexibility of Grant Balfour. If he's uh, regular season Grant Balfour, all the better. You have another weapon. If he's postseason Grant Balfour, well, you kind of make up for him with the power on David Price. I think Tampa's bullpen isn't quite as good as Philadelphia's, but it's better just today than it was two days ago because Joe Maddon's learned from his mistakes and David Price has the added experience and the added confidence coming off of what he did in his Boston last night.
1: Maybe you don't want to pitch Balfour so much in Philadelphia because it looks like most of his pitches are hit pretty well in the air.
0: <laughs> I, I think you're right. I think Maybe, maybe you, you keep a, him in Tampa. <laughs> I think where there's Cowbell, there's Grant Balfour, where there's uh, where there's uh, guys throwing snowballs at Santa Claus uh, and, and booing a guy getting taken off a stretcher. You know, want to leave Grant Balfour uh, back, <laughs> back in the bullpen or use him in low leverage yeah. situations. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast. He's Matt. I'm John. We, we're both picking the Rays for the World Series, Matt. Uh, anything uh, non-World Series that uh, you want to touch on before we, uh, we start with I the did. podcast? I did. I'm glad you brought that up. But okay. th-
1: With with the Rays making the World Series now, all four of the most recent expansion teams, the Rays, the Rockies, the Marlins, what's that other team, the Diamondbacks? The Diamondbacks. All four of them. And if the Rays win, three of the four will have won the World Series since the last time the Mets, the Cubs, <laughs> or the Dodgers have even been in the World Series. It's, uh, it's startling
0: uh, when you look at... Um, we mentioned those three franchises at the start of the show that have not ever been to a World Series. How about the Giants have obviously have been this decade, even 2002, but how the, the Giants not winning since 1954? How about the Indians not winning since 1948?
1: The Giants it? have had three cracks at it, right, in San Francisco? 62, 89,
0: and 02. I think you're right. I mean, those so, are their three pennants. And, of course, 62, they came awfully close. But they've never won a World Series in San Francisco. I mean, that is uh, remarkable. Despite having
1: two of the best players the last 50 years. Bonds I mean, and Mays. You could
0: argue they had the two best players. Yeah. I mean, Hank Aaron has something to say about that, obviously. Yeah. But two of the three. I mean, you talk about position and players. Marshall
1: and Gaylord Perry. Yeah, and Kirk Reeder.
0: <laughs> I wonder how much of that you really can tie to Kirk Reeder. Nice, you almost let that one in. But I mean, uh, how much can you of that can you tie to that ballpark where they played? I mean, they've. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much of that goes to Candlestick. I don't know how much of it goes to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I. I it's, it an, it's inexplicable. It, it is inexplicable. I can't explicate it. I really can't. Uh, but how about the Cubs? How do you explain the Cubs? 63 years without even a pennant. Um, that's and all, and, hard to
1: believe. And seven of the other eight long long-standing NL franchises have won the World Series since the Cubs last even appeared in the World Series.
0: Yeah, and this year's Cubs collapse obviously has been chewed over a lot, but it's, it just stands out even more when the Rays and the Rockies have been in the postseason, have I been mean, in the World Series the last two years. I mean, the Indians, you know, Let's blame Joe Table and Tony Fernandez <laughs> for that one. They had, they had the '97 series there to yeah. win, and that uh, they could not, uh, could not close that deal out. Uh, we yeah. will actually have staffers. Uh, as you know this? We'll have staff members, uh, Mad Blood and Nathan Rohde, going down to Tampa for either Game One or Game Two of the World Series because they're going to Jupiter for the World with Bat, uh Bat uh, Perfect Game Showcase this uh, next weekend, uh, 25th, 26th, right in there. It's a, like a five-day sprawling event. But so they're going down a day early to go to the World Series, uh, either game one or game two. I first forget which one they're going to uh, clear across the state of Florida, not in Jupiter, obviously. But uh, So that's kind of neat, so we'll have that uh, take on it. And lastly, Matt, I do think being in Durham, based in Durham, North Carolina, as we are, it's pretty neat to see all these guys that we saw in Bulls uniforms Yep. Uh, go through. I mean, Rocco Baldelli back in the day. Carl uh, Crawford. Carl Crawford back in the day. Evan Longoria just last year in the beginning of this year.
1: All we're missing is Toby Hall, really.
0: P.J. Upton for two years. I uh, remember well, Johnny Gomes. Uh, all we knew that Johnny Gomes uh, not on the roster, but we knew that Johnny Gomes was going to be first on the dog pile uh, with his uh, uh, mohawk and uh, untucked shirt and uh, just general ragamuffin appearance. <laughs> you knew Johnny Gomes was going to be out there uh, uh, first on the dog pile. But uh, that's a pretty homegrown uh, Tampa team, and a lot of his guys, James Shields, a lot of those guys were Durham Bulls. Ando Perez. Fernando Perez, uh, shocking that he's on the uh, – <laughs> it is shocking to me. I mean, he's a pretty cool guy. Fernando Perez, again, another guy who's – it's impossible to root against, really. But. All, I mean, all they're missing is uh, Elliott Johnson and uh, Toby Hall, like he said, and uh, Chris Richard, maybe.
1: Did we touch on Gabe Gross, or are we out of time, or what? I think we're out of time.
0: <laughs> I think we're out of time for Gabe Gross. We'll see if Gabe Gross is even on the World Series roster. But uh, So uh, congratulations to the Durham Bulls uh, locally. I think it's uh, pretty neat uh, that, that all these Durham Bulls are in the – in the World Series. So we're both picking the Rays, mm-hmm. and uh, I do think it'll be a good series, but uh, we'll see if uh, Tampa can finish this uh, amazing story of uh, worst to first and all the other cliches you're going to hear. But uh, to me, just uh, right now, talent is winning out uh, in baseball's postseason. That's another Baseball America podcast. Uh, you can email us for next podcast at podcast at baseballamerica.com. I'm sure we'll have some non-major league podcasts coming up soon here at baseballamerica.com. Until then, for Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody. Thank you.